and welcome to TanakhStudy.com. This is Shani Tarrigan, and today we're going to continue with the aftermath of the deaths of Nadav and Abihu. After their deaths, we find three interesting conversations between Moshe and Aaron. And the first one, as we've already discussed, Moshe consoles Aaron, telling him that his two children were those that indeed succeeded in getting close to Hashem, and that their deaths enabled for the entire nation to understand the intensity of what Kedusha is all about, particularly the Kedusha of the Mishkan. Now they understand the Kavod of Hashem manifest through the very strict mandates, as we discussed last time, that are going to be commanded by HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the source of Kedusha. Second conversation is in fact a commandment, that that we learned in Sukim. Moshe commanded Aaron and his children not to mourn for those who died, rather to continue in their service as Kohanim not to allow for their hair to run wild, nor to tear their clothing, but rather to continue and to allow Am Yisrael to express their mourning. In addition, they are not allowed to leave the area of the Oed, ensuring that the sanctity with which they were sanctified on Yom Hashmini continues despite the death of their son and brothers. Moshe warns them, that Avodat HaKodesh has to continue in a perfect manner, otherwise there may be more death. For closeness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu demands of man at times to put his personal feelings aside and to devote all to worship of Hashem. Aaron and his sons comply to these words of Moshe without any hesitation, and therefore the ensuing psukim that we're going to learn together today are all the more surprising. This third conversation between Moshe and Aaron begins in Pasuk Yudbet, verse 12. Moshe spoke to Aaron and to Elazar and Itamar, the remaining sons, and told them to take the meal offering and the remainings of the offerings of Hashem that had been consumed by the fire and eat them without any chametz, without any leaven, by the Mizbeach, for it is considered the most holy. And make sure to eat it also in a holy place, because this is your chok, this is your statute from what you're supposed to eat of the offerings of Hashem, as I have commanded. Just as we discussed last time, the laws of the Chukim, of the Kohanim, immediately following the deaths of Aaron, are going to be focused on the laws of eating, not only as a prelude to the laws of eating and the foods that are considered Tameh and Tahor for the rest of Am Yisrael, but as the Kohanim serving as role models, we see that they have particular laws, their Chukim, of what they can, what they must consume from the Korbanot that are brought by B'nai Yisrael. Included in this, Pasuk Yudalid, Moshe 
We've already learned that there are particular parts of the Shlamim that belong to the Kohen, including the breast that's waved, the thigh that is given as a donation that's lifted as well, that has to be eaten in a place that is deemed tahor, together with Aaron's children, his daughters included as well. This is also a statute of the sacrifices of the peace offerings that are brought by Bnei Yisrael. The shoka and the chazeh, the thigh and the breast, are brought together with the chalavim, together with the fat on the fire, as a wave offering before Hashem, and it shall belong to Aaron and his sons forever, as Hashem has commanded. These psukim introduce how Moshe diligently inquired what happened with regard to the goat that was brought as the sin offering on behalf of Bnei Yisrael, and he saw that it was burnt. But we've learned the laws of the Chatat, wherein the Kohanim, after sacrificing the innards of the Chatat, are required to eat the remainder of the Korban in order to enable those who bring the sin offering to achieve kapara, to achieve atonement. And Moshe had seen and inquired and saw that the Korban was completely burnt, and therefore he was angry with Elazar and Itamar, the remaining children of Aharon, and notice the focus on the term Bnei Aharon Hanotarim, emphasizing how they, to a certain degree, are viewed as the replacements for Nadav and Avihu. When we can understand then Moshe's anger, when he sees after Nadav and Avihu didn't correctly follow the mandates of God, his impression immediately thereafter is that the remaining children, Elazar and Itamar, also did not follow the mandates of God as they were supposed to consume the karban chatat. And therefore he accosts them saying, why have you not eaten the sin offering in the place of the mikdash, knowing that this is considered kodesh kodeshim, and it was given to you in order to bear the iniquity of Am Yisrael, in order to allow for them to achieve atonement. So by you not consuming the parts of the chatat that you were supposed to eat, you have thereby deterred Am Yisrael from achieving complete kapara. And he repeats another law that we know, because the blood was not brought inside the Kodesh. We know that any time the blood is sprinkled inside the Kodesh, what's known as a chatat pnimit, that's when the rest of the korban, the innards are sacrificed on the mizbech, and the remainder is brought outside of the machaneh, and it is not consumed. But in this case, he says, the blood was not brought of this particular korban inside the Kodesh, and therefore... You certainly should have eaten it in the Kodesh, just as I have commanded. And now the last two psukim, Vayidaber Aharon el Moshe, Hen hayom hikrivu et chatotam, betolotam lefnei Adonai, Vatikrena oti ka'ile, Vachalti chatat hayom, Hayitav beinei Adonai. And Aaron spoke to Moshe, But behold, this day they have offered their sin offering and their burnt offering before Hashem, and please notice what has befallen me as well, a reference to the fact that Nadav and Aviyu have died. 
and I have eaten of the sin offering today. Is that pleasing in the eyes of Hashem? And when Moshe heard this, it was pleasing in his eyes. Now, these last two psukim are extremely difficult. How do we understand this conversation? Firstly, the anger of Moshe towards Aaron's children, but even more so, Aaron's response. What does he mean when he says that his sons have brought the chatat? We know that. The problem was not that they didn't sacrifice it, but that they have not consumed it. And what does he mean when he says, take into account what has befallen me today? And why does it matter if he's eaten a chatat v'achalti chatat hayom? And all the more so, Moshe's response. As opposed to the two previous conversations between Moshe and Aaron, very difficult ones, wherein Moshe first attempts to console Aaron and then offers him laws of not leaving the Mikdash and continuing with the strict rubrics and mandates of what it means to be a Kohen, there we saw Vayidom Aaron, Aaron's silence and acceptance. And yet here, Aaron responds and to a certain degree argues with Moshe. According to Rashi, this is in fact a halachic discussion that's ensuing between the two. Rashi summarizes for us an understanding of an issue explained by Chazal, wherein the underlying halacha is that an anonin, one who has suffered the death of a close relative, is forbidden to eat kochim, meat that has been sanctified. This halacha has not yet been stated in the Torah, and in fact is derived from a verse concerning the eating of Mahasir Sheni by an onin that appears only in Parshat Kitavo. Chazal assumed that both Moshe and Aaron were aware of this halacha. Moshe tells Aaron that this halacha does not apply to him or his sons at the time, and hence they are to eat of the mincha and the other portions that are left over from the sacrifices of the eighth day. Moshe is therefore upset when he inquires and finds that they did not eat the karban chatat as they were supposed to. Moshe reprimands the children of Aaron, saying that despite the fact that they were onanim, that they have experienced the death of a close relative today, they should have eaten that sacrifice. This is where Rashi explains si'ir chatat, but it was a si'ir musvei rosh chodesh, Aharon argues that the exception to the prohibition of an onain eating from a sacrifice applies only to the exceptional one-time sacrifices known as kotshe sha'ah, the sacrifices that they brought particularly on that day to allow for the shechinah Hashem to come. But that exception does not apply to regular permanent sacrifices, kotshe olam. The sin offering that was burnt rather than eaten is identified as the Musaf Rosh Chodesh, keeping in mind that according to Rashi, Yom Hashmini was on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. And therefore, the Musaf Rosh Chodesh should not be eaten by those who are Onanim. And Moshe accepts this explanation. According to Rashi, the subject of the discussion was whether the Kohanim were supposed to eat all the sacrifices brought on that day, despite being Onanim, or was one of those sacrifices, the chatat of Rosh Chodesh, not included in that command, and therefore subject to the permanent halachic rule that meat of a sacrifice may not be eaten by a nonin? The difficulty here is, how does this explain the parshia? What is the connection between these halachic questions and the death of Nadav Abihu? One way of understanding it is, as we discussed last time, that this is really a continuation of the chok, the chok. Notice the mila mancha, 
of the Chok that Moshe emphasizes here, the mandates of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Everything has to be done according to the very specific rubrics and laws that were mandated by Hashem. And Aaron explains, well, in fact, this is consistent. But I believe that there's another connection here. And that is that the last time that we found a conversation between Moshe and Aaron, it was in the context of Chita Egel. In Shemot chapter 32, after Moshe had already come down with the Luchot, had broken the Luchot, had burned the Egel, he then confronts Aaron with the words, What has this nation done to you? For you have brought upon it a tremendous iniquity. But Moshe, please don't be angry. You know the people in a state of evil. The people had demanded that I somehow fashion a replacement for Moshe. As we've understood in previous Shirim, one of the underlying tensions behind the Mishkan was the anticipation of whether or not Kapara would finally be achieved for Chetaigil both on the personal basis for Aharon and certainly on behalf of all of Am Yisrael. It was only several months earlier when Am Yisrael had built the golden calf. The Ohel Moed, the presence of God, was no longer manifest and they were effectively banished from the presence of Hashem. For the last few months, they have been building the Mishkan based on God's promise that he would rest his presence amongst them when it was complete. Vasuli Mikdash Bishachanti Bitocham. All this time, the entire question of the future of the relationship between God and the people of Israel is in doubt. Despite God's promise to Moshe, both Aharon and Am Yisrael are wondering, is this really going to happen? Are we going to merit the return of God in our midst? And Moshe assures them on the eighth day, if you follow all the laws of the sacrifices correctly, then Hashem will in fact come. We've even discussed, according to the Midrash, that there was a minor moment of tension that had taken place at the very completion of the dedication ceremony when there was seemingly no response from God and Aaron and Moshe had to get closer to the Mizbeach and then enter the Kodesh Kodeshim for Tzvilah. And then, immediately after, the fire descended from heaven. The people see the return of the Shekhinah from pre-Chet and they're ecstatic and they fall on their faces. And then immediately after the fire descended from heaven, the shocking deaths of Nadav and Avihu. This situation is eerily similar to Moshe's descent from Harsinai, with the two tablets in his arms, only to have the dream dashed and the tablets smashed by the golden calf. So will this foreign fire of Nadav and Aviu prevent the resting of the Holy Presence in the Mishkan? Perhaps this will, in fact, not only deter, but undermine the entire purpose of the Mishkan. Perhaps Moshe's anger, then, is a sign of his anxiety. He interprets the Kohanim's not eating their chatat as a sign that they think that maybe due to the deaths of, Nad- of Nadav and Avihu, the Mishkan in fact has not been sanctified, that the Shekhinah has not come down properly to dwell in their midst, and all the efforts of the past six months will have been in vain. Moshe had specifically instructed them to eat all the korbanot b'makom kadosh in a holy place, namely the Mishkan, after it achieved its status as the place of the presence of Hashem. Moshe desperately wanted to make sure that the erection and dedication of the Mishkan had been successful, 
not in the architectural sense, but in the sanctification, in the agreement of Hashem to dwell his Shekhinah therein. Imagine his chagrin to find then that the karbanot had been burnt and discarded. His frustration is expressed more as anger. Vayiksof indicates extreme anger, as he confronts the Kohanim who have not eaten the sacrifice as he expected. Aaron then, according to the explanation of Chazal, answers that the chatat was not burned because of a deficiency in the Mishkan, but because of the personal status of the Kohanim as Oninim. This factor reverses the relationship between the karbanot of Kotshe Sha'ah, the karbanot that were brought particularly for the dedication ceremony, versus the Kotshe Olam, the regular sacrifices. Because the chatat is a regular sacrifice, whose eating symbolizes the dwelling of Hashem's presence within Am Yisrael, it cannot be eaten by an onin, because death destroys the ability of man to get close to God. This does not indicate a problem with the Mishkan, but with the Kohen. In fact, not eating the sacrifice by an onin might be taken as a sign that the sacrifice does indeed have full sanctity. Moshe does not only accept this answer, but it was good in his eyes. He's reassured and his mood changes from anger and frustration to pleasure because he recognizes that the goal of the Mishkan has been accomplished. But there are other explanations for this discourse as well. The Shadal explains as such, According to Shadal, Aaron felt that the deaths of his children were an expression of something wrong that he and his other remaining sons had done. He basically explains that perhaps this is a sign that he and his children are not worthy of allowing kapara to be achieved through the consumption of the korban. According to Shadal, Aaron is explaining to Moshe, We've sacrificed the chatot and the olot, but take a look at what happened to me today. It must be that I and my sons were not worthy of achieving kapara, and therefore, I was not worthy of eating the chatat, and thereby achieving kapara. Is this really what God wanted? According to this reading, Aaron is expressing his unworthiness of eating the chatat and explaining to Moshe how it did not stem from negligence, but rather a sense that he was not the proper medium to achieve atonement for Bnei Yisrael today. According to the Rashbam, Aaron defends himself by insisting that some situations are exceptional. Some situations require that one deviate from the usual framework. Could there be, possibly, an act of eating to bring atonement on the day when Aaron has lost his two sons? In the Rashbam's words, How can I eat this in offering of the food sanctified for all future generations on this day when our joy was spoiled and mixed? It would be like the disgrace of a bride who commits adultery while under the very wedding canopy. Indeed, deviation from the usual requirements is usually a sin, and sometimes it's even punishable by death. 
which is what angers Moshe. But every case is judged on the basis of its own circumstances. And therefore, Aharon asked Moshe to please take these circumstances into account. Understand that he is still trying to get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Moshe's greatness is revealed in the fact that he is able to understand this. On one hand, we've been focusing on the significance of following the strict mandates of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And here this parashia tells us, at the same time, one has to take into account different situations. Aaron says this is an extenuating circumstance. Take into account what has transpired today, the deaths of my children. And Moshe understands that the situation, in fact, has to be taken into account. And this clearly establishes a precedent for future generations of halachic decision-making as well to find the proper balance between following the rubric and the mandates of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and when we have to take extenuating circumstances and factors into account as well. Nacham phrases this beautifully as well when she says that Aaron understood when Moshe told him that he's not allowed to leave the Mishkan and he's not allowed to express any signs of mourning. He accepts this judgment, but he understands that simultaneously he does not have to be filled with joy. Aaron understood that it's not the mere consumption of the food, of the meat, of the karban chatat that it would achieve kapara for Am Yisrael, but rather that it must be consumed with simcha. And therefore he turned to Moshe and said, Does HaKadosh Baruch Hu want me to ignore entirely what happened today? Does Hashem want me to overcome every sense of human emotion at the death of my children and consume the chatat b'simcha? To this Moshe understood v'yitav be'inav. And he recognized that Aharon was sensitive and aware to the fact that the deaths of his children were supposed to have an effect on him, that he's not supposed to ignore the human, mortal, natural feeling of a father who cannot continue as as normal, as regular, when the corpses of his children lay before him. For death, after all, is supposed to shake someone up. We're supposed to learn from death. We're not supposed to continue, same old, same old, as if nothing has happened. We're supposed to internalize this. Moshe accepts these words of Aharon. Tomorrow we will continue to learn the elaboration of the continued aftermath of the deaths of Aharon, how they did not understand what it means to follow the rubrics of Hashem, Lahavdil ben Hatameo ben Hatahor, and therefore the same brief section which includes within it a tremendous amount of tension between following the laws of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and knowing how we must engage one with the other, with the halachot, with the situations, with the details of the laws in order to fully understand what is really transpiring within a parshiyat, the Torah, and what messages are supposed to be gleaned. We're going to continue then with the theme of Lahavdil, Ben HaKodosh, Oven HaChol, Oven HaTameh, Oven HaTahor, with regard to all of Am Yisrael, and what they must eat or stay away from eating.